announcing you that the real superstar is Jesus. The one that rose from the dead is Jesus. The one that death could not hold him is Jesus. The one that said I couldn't cripple him on the grave is Jesus. The one that is named has the power to bring back somebody from the grave after he was buried for four days. First John chapter 5 from verse 20 21 is where we'll be reading from. Alright, let's read. And we know that the Son of God is come. That is talking about his birth. And he had given us an understanding that we may know him that is true. That is, we have to know that he is true. We have to know him that is true. Which means for Jesus to even try to affirm himself as the truth must have mean that there are other things that looks like a truth but are false. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, if the day you go to the market and you start seeing people write on plantain, original plantain, know that China have started making their plantain. Are you getting what I'm saying? When you go to sell goat meat, if you want to buy goat meat and you find People writing original good meat on the good meat. Know that. <laughs> so this is what Jesus is saying. He says, and may know him that is true. He's telling the people, you have to know me because I'm the truth. And he says, we are in him that is true. He's still saying true again. Even in his son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. This is the true God and eternal life. And in verse 21, it got us into a deeper truth. And the 21 says, little children. I don't know whether there's any church that is as humble as the churches that are in the Bible. The apostles will write a letter to the whole church and they will call the whole church little children. It's saying here, little children, keep yourselves from idols. And when he finished saying that, he said, Amen. You may be seated in God's presence. I'll be preaching today briefly using as a subject, the real superstar. The real. Which means there must have been some fake superstars. All right. There have been this controversy. There have been a lot of debate on was Jesus born on 25th December. This is something they shouldn't ask, but they keep asking. So let me just answer. Was Jesus born on 25th December? And some pastors even go online to start debating if Jesus was born in October or was born in December and all of that. Well, they keep talking about December and most of the people say Jesus wasn't born in December. But when their companies give them December bonus, they all collect it. <laughs> when they give them, <laughs> they debate if he was born in December. But when they give them bonuses, they don't reject it. They get it from the people. See, as a superstar that Jesus is, it doesn't really matter whether he was born on 20 feet or not. He deserves to be celebrated. How many of you know that they do Michael Jackson remembrance? They do Michael Jackson remembrance. They do Bob Marley remembrance. When it is close to Bob Marley resemblance, everybody start keeping dada. Some people even keep it, allow it to smell. Because they feel that's the only way they can remember him. And they rap with bow that is as big as a drumstick. People even do Lucky Dube Remembrance. They do it. You are not in the world, so you may not know. They do a lot of people remembrance. Michael Jackson remembrance. Yes, everybody wants to do break on that day. Celine Dion is dead. Maybe very soon they'll start doing her whatever, whatever, whatever. Remembrance too. All right, so how much more the real superstar? So Jesus may not have been born on December 25th. Nobody's really interested about that. Most times when my birthday comes on the day I don't want to celebrate or doesn't come on Sunday, I try to shift and celebrate it on Sunday and still get the gifts I needed to get. I know how to do that. So if I know how to do that, how much more Jesus? So it's not really about the date. It's just about honoring him 
and there are two scriptures that I have really learned something from. One of the scriptures is, there was a time people wanted to lavish some things on Christ. They wanted to lavish something on Jesus. A lady, rather, came and brought an ointment in the alabaster box and wanted to lavish it all on Jesus. And some disciples started feeling bad that they are spending too much on Jesus. So when they started feeling too bad, and they even opened up to Jesus and told him, don't you think that this is a waste of money? If we had sold this stuff, we would have used the money and go to the motherless baby home and do all of that. Jesus rebuked the disciple who wanted to be spiritual. Who wanted to be spiritual. He rebuked him and he said to him, you will always have the poor with you always, but me you will not have with you all the time. And uh, he enjoyed the celebration. Not only that, but when John the Baptist was in the prison and Jesus was busy doing miracles, he was angry about the fact that his cousin has so much anointing and his cousin is busy healing the sick instead of using his anointing to get him out of the prison. And so he decided to approach Jesus and start to doubt his calling and his ministry and wanted to turn down his prophecy. He was the one who prophesied some time ago that here is the lamp of God that taketh away the sins of the world. But now he's now doubting he is the lamp and he's even asking him the question. And Jesus said something which is very, very important and you need to note this down. He said, after he had argued the fact that he is the Messiah and told him the work of the Messiah, the gospel is preached to the poor, the lame, has worked and all of that and all of that. When he finished that, he now answered by telling him, blessed is a man who is not offended in me. Blessed is a man who is not offended in me. The reverse is what I want you to note. If blessed is a man who is not offended in him, then the reverse is that cursed is a man who is offended in me. So if I am being celebrated and you're offended, you're cursed. That's how I understand it. If I am being celebrated, if I am being becoming a superstar, very popular, and maybe I don't do what you think I should do for you, and you start being offended in Christ. So when you're offended about Jesus, you have a problem with him. So I really pray for God to forgive all the people who say Christmas is not a day should be celebrated, 25 December shouldn't be the day, and all of that, and all of that. I think they are being offended in it. So I'm praying for God to have mercy on them. Well, their arguments are very, very paramount. It's worth considering. Yeah. The argument is that on the 25th December, they used to celebrate a sun god. And where they celebrate the sun god, sun god was an idol. And why should they use the day? They used to celebrate the sun god to celebrate the son of God. So that's the whole problem. And it's very simple. The people who recovered the day, because I was taught that if you are a child and a responsible child and you grow up, when you discover that people took your father's property when you were a child and you are a responsible child, when you grew up, you can recover your father's property back to your father. True or not true? Yeah, you have the power. Don't you have the power to recover your father's property? Uh, you do. You have the power to recover. So when we maybe we didn't know what we know now, some idol worshippers came, took the day. The Bible says the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof, even the days belongs to the Lord. They took one day and they used in celebrating the greatest idol that they thought ever existed. They celebrated their idol that they thought the idol was the one who made everything. So they celebrated their idol on that day. So when the missionaries came and recovered the land and dealt so much with the idol worshipping tradition and they made them know that the demons have no power. The simple thing to do was that if we keep this day if it is empty, the people can grow up and start worshipping that nonsense again until it becomes popular, until it becomes something we cannot control. So since this demon wasn't the greatest thing and the greatest entity that has ever existed, since we have now discovered that there's an almighty, though the demon was mighty, we have discovered an almighty, which is more mightier than the demon, let's now celebrate the almighty on the dead which we were celebrating the mighty demon. And so that's how they could recover the day. So it wasn't the sun god who built and created 25th December. It wasn't the sun god who did that. It was God who made the day. So 
we as children of God, we are capable to recover everything that belongs to God. But that's not actually my problem today. My problem today has been that while we are yet alive, while we are still alive, while we are still calling it Christmas, the enemy has sluggishly or uh, sneaked in to the celebration and changed some of the objects in the celebration until the celebration changes to something different from what we thought. Let me tell you what I mean. Went to somebody's wedding, and by the time I went to a wedding, this guy who waited was not really a very good guy when he was single. When he was single, he had a lot of people he promised he was going to marry, and now that he has waited, there is more tears on his wedding day than a barrier. So when I went out from the wedding hall, I met some ladies outside crying bitterly. I called my brother, I asked him, I'm confused. Are we in a barrier or a wedding? So they had to convince me real good that we were not in a barrier, that we were in a wedding. But because some of the objects of wedding were taken away, are you getting me? They don't cry on a wedding day, except the lady wants to just say something. And she said, I feel like crying. And just, and she won't cry. She will just say, I feel like crying. She will just say, I feel like crying. And will not cry. And will be quickly consoled because all the bills have been paid by the guy. <laughs> so, <laughs> so. <laughs> even if she's owing that day, she knows even if I don't pay you for your cake after now, you will not come and collect the certificate of marriage from me. So, so but when some of the objects of a place, imagine going to a wedding. And all of a sudden, while they were worshiping God, doing all of the things, and they said, let the couple go and sign the certificate. While they go into the small room to sign the certificate, they now bring a coven and put on the table. You see, the objects of the wedding have changed, and the place automatically has changed from wedding to burial. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So the problem is that though the signpost still remains wedding, but there are times that some objects can be changed and it looks something different. What I'm telling you is that Christmas has to do with the birth of Christ. And the whole scenario is that if we are talking about the birth of Christ and we want to talk about symbols of Christmas, we should not have any other thing rather than the baby and maybe some of the pictures we used to see when we were children Christmas pictures that we used to see was Mary handling the baby. Or sometimes we see Joseph and we saw Mary and we see the child. And Joseph is always with a long staff and the staff is always longer than him. That was a picture we were used to. It's not outdated. It's just that the devil discovers that we are so much exalting Jesus and decided to change some objects of Christmas up to the point that we can be in Christmas, yet we don't know what we are celebrating. So the devil carefully came intentionally, since Christians are more emotional than being reasonable, the devil came and removed some of the objects of Christmas, removed the baby in the manger, and kept Santa Claus. And so we find people celebrating and having pictures of Santa Claus even when they do not have any place in the scripture that talks about Santa Claus and even when they don't even know where it comes from, they gladly have a reception of this new person on the birthday of Christ and celebrate this person until the baby that was born becomes so jealous because his name is not even mentioned. Have you seen that there are many songs that the Santa Claus has hijacked in the Christmas? So the songs are dope Christmas songs, but it has been hijacked. Because in the song, there is nothing that has to do with the birth of Christ. It's just something about something that we don't even understand at all. What does Christmas tree have to do with the birth of the Lord Jesus Oh, Christmas tree, oh, Christmas tree. What is Christmas tree? Is it the tree that they cut the leaves to give to the animal in the manger? I don't get. Now, let's be very, very reasonable because the place that we are reading, you'll find Jesus faithfully explaining himself 
as the truth. He talks about it for more than four times. And when he goes down, he said, little children, beware of idols. And what he's calling idol is something that has come to replace my existence in your life. You will have something you have to worship and you have to love, thinking it is me, but it's not me. Anything that comes to take the place of Jesus directly or indirectly is an idol. You don't need to hear a pastor say that before you understand. If your phone that makes you, anytime you want to pray, you have a call and it makes you not to concentrate in the prayer, can become an idol. If your shop that you cannot close and go to the church can become an idol, how much more something that has clearly taken the place of Christ. So you could find some songs like Santa Claus is coming to town. And you check the whole of the lyrics because we are in Africa. Africa can sing a whole song and don't know the lyrics. They can sing a whole song and don't know the lyrics. So in Africa, you can sing a song and call somebody's mother. As far as the beat is the raining beat, everybody danced the song. There was a time in Africa that the song was so raining, a willow. Nobody knew what they were talking about. Nobody knew the lyrics, but everyone were busy. It became one of the most selling songs in Africa. Africa, people can wear clothes. I am an arm robber walking on the streets, going to the police station to go and call the police to come and arrest somebody else. But on their clothes is written, I am an arm robber. Africa. Because <laughs> so, <laughs> I was thinking, whenever I think about things and I think about falsehood, I try to see, remember I told you something, I see whenever there is a false teaching, there is meant to be a false living. The devil is trying to project a false living. So I started praying and I was asking God, I said, God, why is the devil trying to veil the name of Jesus on Christmas? And I take you back to what I was teaching you on Sunday. What I taught you on Sunday was that the name of Jesus is so powerful that at the mention of the name of Jesus, every knee bows and tongue confesses that Jesus is Lord. I said something very, very striking on Sunday. I said that in every generation, the amount of Jesus that is mentioned determines how many demons will be crippled. So if we have a generation that the name of Jesus is not pronounced very well, people don't mention the name of Jesus more. We have more demons who are standing than kneeling. And so because the more we mention the name of Jesus, the more demons are crippled because they kneel at the mention of the name of Jesus. They don't kneel intentionally, but they are crippled. That's why when you hear God said, he prepared a table before me in the presence of my enemies, it's not that God is careless. It's that the devil is crippled. I don't know who is hearing me today. It's not that God is taking chances. It's just that he has crippled the enemy in such a way that he knows even if I am here and my table is here and there's food on my table, he can do nothing to me. And so the more we have a generation that can resound Jesus, that Jesus is so pronounced, the more demons cannot really, really exist in that generation. If you check in the pagan time, in the time where there was no much churches, I like people who criticize that there are much churches around, but there are advantages. When there were no much churches around, we used to have demons on trees. We used to have demons on fishes. Sometimes somebody goes to the stream and wants to go and fetch water and will find a mummy water on the stream sitting down. But you don't find those things again. Do you know the reason? The more Jesus is mentioned, the more demons no longer be around the way they should be because demons are crippled when the name of Jesus is mentioned. I don't know who I'm talking to. I told you something on Sunday. I told you I was trying to cast out a demon from a demon-possessed person. And I was shouting, Jesus, 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 set this girl free. And the demon started manifesting in the child. And the child said, don't shout that name again. The demon started talking. Don't shout that name again. That's when I knew the thing is working. When you pray and you have a attack, that's when you know the prayer is working. Yeah, because now the devil is scared of the prayers. But if you pray and nothing happens, you are actually under attack. Something is happening and you pray and there are no these shakings. You don't find these terrible dreams at night. Then you've not really touched the devil yet. When you touch the devil, you start having movements. And the movement is what some people call attack. So the more I have the movement, the more I hit him bad until he's really dead. So when I lay hands on the demons, the demons started saying to me, don't shout that name again. And I knew that if the name was not powerful, he wouldn't have told me not to shout. <laughs> so I now shouted the name more. I said, don't shout that name again unless you want cancer to leave this place. Don't shout that name again unless you want ulcer to leave somebody's body. So the moment I heard that, 
I discover what the name of Jesus can do. That the name of Jesus is not just a verbal utterance, but the name of Jesus is so powerful that it can uproot everything that the enemy has planted. I don't know how many people just want to shout the name that is above all the names in case there is a sickness that is waiting for a shout. In case there's a demon that is waiting for a shout. In case there's a trouble that's waiting for the shout. Can you shout the name? Jesus. So sit down. That is what the devil doesn't want to hear. And so the devil knows so much. At the time they shout Jesus more. I feel like preaching. God has just spoken to me. The time they shout Jesus more is on Christmas. And that is when the devil wants human blood more. And because they need human blood more on a Christmas, and people will shout Jesus more, it makes people to avoid the name of Jesus. So in order to make them avoid the name of Jesus, he had to give them an alternative name to shout. If this guy is around and his name is Charlie, if I see him 50 times, I may likely mention Charlie 30 times. True or not true? But if this guy is not around, I may actually, even if I miss him so much, I may actually mention his name like five times. And so the moment the devil intentionally removed the picture of Jesus from the Christmas, it makes people unconsciously not to remember this name. The only thing they saw is a man on a red who has a white beard, and they call his name often. And since they call his name often, ulcer is growing. Cancer is growing because his name does not have power to deliver somebody from sickness. His name does not have power to deliver somebody from pains. His name does not have power to deliver somebody from a cultic kingdom. His name cannot set anybody free. His name is not the name that is given among men in which men can be saved. Except the name of Jesus. I don't need a picture of Santa Claus in my house. He never died for me. I need the name of Jesus. That's the only name that matters. That's the only name that matters. Then I just feel like telling you a few more things. You know, I am an artist, so sometimes I feel everything is designed. I feel everything is a design, that there is no language attached to it. But when I did art very well, I discovered that even when something is a design, the design has to be correspondent, and the design has to have a meaning. So if you do a design and you cannot explain your design, then you are doing nonsense. And so when I see something like this, somebody who's not an artist can just say, wow, all the flowers are nice. But somebody who's creative can just look at it and say, wow, they are trying to write refine a city. Maybe some of you didn't even notice that. They are trying to write refine a city. That is it. So the truth is this. You have to understand that the devil is corny and the devil does not waste time. And the devil makes a whole lot of effort to make sure he doesn't waste time. So what the devil does is that he's also an artist too. So the devil brought out Santa Claus. So at first I just thought it was just a name. It just brought out something to just uh, use. Maybe it's just a picture, something to make the children to be happy. But when I started praying more, asking God the more, I started seeing more revelation on what the devil is trying to do. I started seeing more revelation. From his clothing to his name to everything that has to do with him. To the gifts they say he shares. To how he is too much and so much attracted to children. I started seeing the devil's manipulation and what the devil wants to really do. So let me just point to some things I have really seen. I saw the red garment. One thing about Santa Claus, which I want to tell you, is that it's falsehood. The devil is projecting something that is a lie and wants you to believe it like it's true. That's why you keep finding Jesus saying here, I am the true God. He's mentioning it in just one verse in four times. So the devil is projecting something that is wrong as if that thing is true. He's projecting it so well. And the devil is attacking the children. It makes the parent to tell the children that Santa Claus is alive. So there will be a generation if Refiner City does not do anything because 
I'm not really sure there are five churches in the whole world who are preaching what I'm preaching. If the church don't grow up very well and make the people understand that this thing is falsehood, we will have children who grow up and will feel Santa Claus is real. So they are trying to make our children not to have a picture and understanding of who Jesus is, but to have a full story that there's a man that can give them a gift anytime. Do you know that there are people somewhere that have started praying for Santa Claus to give them a gift on Christmas? Yeah. So it's falsehood and the devil keeps projecting so much false for it to be believed that it's true. But when you check Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25, write it down because it's something you have to study at home. When you check Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25, you hear the Bible rebuke falsehood. It tells us not to do anything that is false. If something is a lie, don't say it is true. I am against people doing a prayer fool because it's complete lies. So I don't see anywhere we can celebrate lies. I don't see anywhere we can celebrate falsehood. If something is not true, it's not true. I read in the Bible, in Revelation, where the Bible says, all liars. So when he said all liars, I have to be very careful. Even when I'm doing my age declaration, because he's saying all liars. Even when I'm trying to put my age on my Facebook, because he said all liars. If you don't want to put your age on Facebook, you can remove it and keep it blank. But don't say you're 105 years. Second thing, I've told you that the first one is falsehood. The second one is that the devil is trying to pass a wrong legacy. He wants the children to grow up and inherit something that is wrong. Grow up and inherit something that is wrong. And this is how demons work. If children start praying that Santa Claus should give them a gift, and the demons start acting and make them have some things they were praying for, they will start worshipping Santa Claus as God. So we may likely have a generation that will have a whole religion that worship Santa Claus as their savior. Alright, the third reason is because it's trying to veil or cover the identity of Jesus. Santa Claus is trying to veil and cover the identity of Jesus. It's coming to cover the identity of Jesus. So most of these things that we see is not just ordinary things. They are things that are programmed, arranged at the demonic kingdom, projected for some specific reasons. So, I want to announce to you that Santa Claus is an imposter. That's why anytime you hear things about Santa Claus, I'll give you Bible portions, I'll make you marvel. He tries so hard to look like God. He tries so hard to look like God. He tries so hard to look like God. Let's talk about many things about him now. Let's talk about his appearance. I'll show you one scripture that will marvel you. His appearance. His appearance is that he comes with a red garment. True or not true? comes with a red garment. In Isaiah 63, verse 2 to be precise, you can read from verse 1 to 3, verse 2 to be precise, you will hear God describe Jesus with a red garment. He's saying, who is that coming with a red garment? So out of all the colors, the one Santa Claus wants to use is the one that was used in describing Jesus because he wants to become an impostor who replaces Jesus in people's mind. Okay, the next thing, because I don't want to waste time. The next thing is that he's always known as a father. He's called Father Christmas. What he's saying is that he was already there before Christmas. He's already there before Christmas. What does it mean? It means he was already in heaven before Jesus was birthed. He is the Lucifer that was thrown down. He's trying to make the people to know you have no reason to celebrate Christmas. Celebrate the Father, somebody that has existed before Christmas. Which means before Jesus was in this world, I was already here. I was thrown down to be in the world before he was birthed. So I am a father. The reason why he's so famed in trying to declare himself as a father is because he heard in Isaiah when the Bible was describing Jesus. And when he was describing Jesus, that unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, the government shall be upon his shoulder, 
and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. Can I hear? Mighty God. Everlasting Father. That is what provoked the devil. He said, how can I be here for so many years? And he was just birthed some time ago. And they now call him Everlasting Father. So he projects himself as Father Christmas. What a word. Alright, so the next thing about him is that he declares himself as an old man. The position he's trying to drag when he's declaring himself as an old man is that he's trying to drag the position that God called himself ancient of days. So when God calls himself an ancient of days, he's declaring himself as an old man because of his wisdom. So now he comes as an old man because he tries to fight that identity of God. When you read the scripture often, you will discover that one of the things that Lucifer tried to do in Ezekiel is that he wanted to rub shoulders with God. He wanted to project to everybody that he is God. He told himself that he wants to overthrow God and all of that. He likes fighting that position. Okay, let me give you some scriptures that you really like here. You find his hair. Let me give you this one too. You find his hair always white. His beard is always white. He's trying to mimic Christ. In Revelation chapter 1 verse 14. In Revelation chapter 1 verse 14. The Bible said his hair is like wool. It's white. And it's like wool. That's why you find Santa Claus hair like that. He's trying to mimic who the identity of Christ is. He likes attaching himself to children. He calls children to come unto him. And the reason is because he discovered that Jesus warned the disciples not to make the children to be far away from him, but that they should allow the children to come to him. That the kingdom of God is unto the children. That's why you find Santa Claus not really interested in adults, but is interested in children. Another point I want you to also see about him is that he projects himself as one who gives gifts. Never ever since I was born, I have never seen Santa Claus come to my house and give me a gift before. I have never seen anybody here or anywhere who has declared that he has gotten a gift from Santa Claus before. But every day we keep hearing that Santa Claus is a great giver. He is trying to veil the identity of the greatest giver. Because I hate the Bible said, I don't know how many people are going to scream on this. I hate the Bible says, greater love had no man than this, that a man will lay his life down for his friends. I don't know who can give his life for me. So Jesus is the greatest giver that the world has ever seen or has ever read about. So now he's trying to project himself as a good giver. And it's not a lie. He gives so many gifts. He gives ladies fornication. He gives them abortion. He gives them masturbation. He gives them so many bad gifts. But that's why the Bible keeps telling us that all good and perfect gifts come from the Lord. Which is also telling us that there are also bad gifts also. But when the devil gives you something, no matter how much he wraps it, there is an evil inside. If the devil gives you something wrapped so much and it's wrapped so much and it's shiny so much, when you open inside, you'll discover that it's a bad gift. Because the Bible says all good and perfect gifts comes from the Lord. The devil doesn't have a good gift. The devil only has bad gifts. If he gives you something. You have to be careful because he's going to really take something from you. And it's so much close to children. He is found with red boots. I won't tell you more. He's found with red boots. And the red boot is just is mimicking Revelation 1 verse 15. Revelation chapter 1 verse 15 describes Jesus as his leg is as a burning furnace. His leg is like a burning furnace. Red as a burning furnace. So his leg, he was describing Jesus. His legs are burning corners and it's just here. And so all Santa Claus has to do to look like it is to get a red boots. If you read more about Santa Claus, you discover that they say his house is in the north. They said his house is in the north. But when you read Ezekiel chapter 8 verse 14, it talks about Great is the Lord, greatly to be praised in the city of the Lord, in the mountain of his holiness. It talks about that the house of God is in the north. It talks about house of God being in the north. So he is an impostor, somebody who tries to get all that looks like Christ. 
so that he can really replace him in people's heart. And the most amazing one, before I tell you about the most amazing one, can I have five people here? Five people who can really act very well. Five people. Just line up yourself. I need five people. Let a lady be inside. Two ladies, three brothers. Another thing about Santa Claus is that I think he drives in horses. So many years, I think about 16th century, they talked about him flying to people's roof. Flying from one roof to another. Later on, when the people were really resetting. I need two more ladies. I need two ladies. So, they had to fashion him and put him on a horse. Why they are putting him on a horse is because they know that behold, he comes riding on the cloud. So they know about Jesus always on the horse. When he entered into Jerusalem, he was on the horse. So that's why they decided to put him on the horse. Because they are terribly using him to replace the king of kings. And the Lord of Lords in the mind of a whole lot of people. Alright, so I have something here I'm going to show you. And I've just been talking about his name. His name is something very, very important that I need you to understand. His name is Santa. Santa is his name and everybody loves his name. But his name cannot heal the sick except the name of Jesus. His name cannot raise the dead except the name of Jesus. His name cannot deliver a captive by the name of Jesus. His name cannot change anybody except the name of Jesus. If you want to doubt me, just try it. When you are sick, call the name Santa and find out if your sickness will disappear. But shout Jesus. When you find the house too heavy and it looks like demons have entered the house and you're trying to call your pastor's number but network is not in your phone. There is somebody that you don't need a phone to call him. His name is Jesus. When you shout his name, he responds quickly. And it seems like he does not have a network failure because he had already said, call upon me in the days of trouble and I will answer you. He added by saying, I'll show you great and mighty things that you never know. But since the devil knows that there's a name that is bigger than everything, I showed you a scripture on Sunday that says that the name of Jesus is bigger than everything that is named. And I told you something very, very specific. And I told you that when you pass through troubles and persecutions or you find some sicknesses around you and it does not look like it has a name, I tell you to give it a name. Because when you give it a name, the Bible says the name of Jesus is greater than anything that is named. So if my sickness is ulcer, then the name of Jesus is bigger than ulcer. If my sickness is high blood pressure, then the name of Jesus is bigger than high blood pressure. As I'm speaking, people are getting here because this is not just my service. This is Jesus' service. I don't know how many people came with heart attack. Who came with heartburn? I see Jesus healing you right now. If only you can just shout his name. Jesus. But there is something called anagram. There's something called anagram. Anagram is when we try to change a word and put it on another word so as to confuse somebody who's reading it. And so my son did it. His name is Nsikak. And on his Facebook, he tried to call himself Kakison. And everybody keep asking him, what is Kakison? They don't know that it's just a reverse of his name. So he's trying to confuse the people who knew him on Sikak. One of my friends in school, in university said that he knows very well that his family people are busy looking at Facebook trying to find him on Facebook using his real name. They don't know that he has changed his name. <laughs> That's what he thought. <laughs> As if demons cannot use basin and call you and find it. <laughs> so that's what he said. So he changed it to hero. And he told us on Facebook that he has confused all his family people. <laughs> he doesn't know that. <laughs> so there is something called anagram. And anagram is that when we try to change something and confuse the reader, we form another name from the existing name. And we don't even know. So that's what the devil is doing to us. They do it to people who are blind to calculate puzzle. 
people who cannot understand the word. You can be on anagram and try to calculate something and you don't even understand that silence. They told you to remove another word from silence and you don't even understand that listen is still in silence. Am I talking to somebody? And so that is why the devil came to deceive us with anagram and he calls it Santa. But if the spirit of the Lord is upon you, you will discover that in the end time, because there's something about the end time, in the end time, many things will be revealed. You will start seeing some signs that used to happen, some things that people used to do. You will start seeing that all these things musicians used to do is just 666, that this is just, this is the first six, this is the second six, this is the third six. So you didn't even know it. You didn't even know it, but you were doing it all the time. You, you will start seeing the real picture of everything that was done, that you thought it was just a sign. And so when you look at anagram, you see that at the end, the devil will try to uncover himself. He will reveal his identity. When there is antichrist, he will try to come out in his full form. And people will be wondering. They wouldn't know that they were worshipping demons and Satan all along. So the devil tried to mislead us because the Bible calls him a corny man. He calls him crafty. He's corny. He looks as if he's intelligent. He asks you questions that he already knows the answer. Jonathan McReynolds said that the devil learns from our mistakes. So whenever we lie, he discovers that that's our weakness and makes us lie again and makes us lie again until he makes you not to overcome lying because that's what he wants to use to deceive you. So at the end of the days, the devil will just come and remove the end and come to this other side and we will know who the real Santa was. That it was not just Santa. It was Satan. Bow your heads everybody. Bow your heads everybody. So what the devil does is that he tries as much as possible to make sure. You don't call the name you should call. He tries as much as possible to make sure. You don't look at the picture you should look at. He tries as much as possible to bring his picture into your house. The devil tries as much as possible to put his picture in your house. And you don't even know that you have a picture of the devil in your house. You thought you are just having a doll baby. You don't know that the doll baby is a demon. You don't know. I am a shikere de koya. Not in my generation will people worship devil. Not in my generation will people worship Satan. When we have the name that is above every other name. I don't know how many people I'm talking to. But I feel the Holy Ghost say. Return my name back to the altar. And see miracles happening again. Return my name to your house. And see healing happening again. Return my name back to the church. And find breakthrough happening again. I know a name that is bigger than every other name. His name is Jesus. Little children, keep yourself away from idols. Run away from idols. Keep yourself away from idols. The devil will try to deceive you with something. The devil will try to deceive you with something. Make you love something that is not God. But I know a name that can deliver somebody from sin. I know a name that can deliver somebody from masturbation. I know a name that can deliver somebody from cultism. I know a name that can deliver somebody from the hands of the enemy. His name is Jesus. Bow your heads, I'm praying for you now. Bow your heads, bow your heads. Bow your heads, bow your head. I wanted to pray for you, but God said, don't pray for them first. Let them shout the name, because I want to be popular. I came to announce to you, I wanted to be on your feet, everybody. I came to announce to you that Santa Claus is not the real superstar on Christmas. I don't know how many of you are listening to me under the sound of my voice. I came to announce to you that the real superstar is Jesus. The one that rose on the dead is Jesus. The one that dead could not hold him is Jesus. The one that said I couldn't cripple him on the grave is Jesus. The one that his name 
has the power to bring back somebody from the grave after he was buried for four days. Hold on, we are shouting that powerful name. I don't know how, how much you can shout. I don't know your vocal capacity. But I want to shout to the last of my strength. I want to shout until the devil is no more comfortable in my life. I want to shout until demons run away. I don't know how many people are ready to shout, but we just want to shout it for seven times. And on seven times, demons will back out. The devil will back out. I don't know how many people are ready to shout. Number one! That's the name. That's the name. Lift your hands again. Lift your hands again. Number two! Are you both shaking at the choir? Lift your hands, lift your hands, lift your hands. Number three. Demons are living. Demons are living. Number four. I see Jesus working miracle. I see Jesus delivering somebody. I see Jesus healing somebody. He said, if I be lifted up, if I be lifted up, number five, number six, and your boss, Don't shout that name again unless you want cancer to leave. Don't shout that name again unless you want ulcer to leave. Don't shout that name again unless you want sickness to leave. Run away. Don't shout that name again unless you want your situation to change. Don't shout. I don't know how many people who don't want to shout. Who don't want to shout? I will advise you not to shout the name unless you want situations to change. Don't shout the name unless you want God to do something new. Because you can't shout the name and something does not happen in your life. Get ready for number seven. Get ready. Number seven. Number seven. Number seven. All right, bow your heads, everybody. Demons are helpless at the shout of his name. Because they still remember how Jesus put them to shame on the cross of Calvary. Bow your heads, everybody. Close your eyes. I don't want to see anybody's eye. Close your eyes, everybody. I came to announce to you that the only superstar... The real superstar. Can you wait? Said two weeks ago, a city of refuge, Los Angeles, that he has been celebrating himself as a superstar for many years. But now he has come to discover that the only superstar is Jesus Christ. I don't know how many of you are listening to me under the sound of my voice, but if you want to surrender to the superstar, if you want to surrender to the superstar, the one who is the greatest superstar, I'm praying for you right now. As all eyes are closed, everybody, make sure you squeeze your eyes. If you want to surrender to the superstar, who's bigger than ulcer? Who's bigger than sicknesses? Who's bigger than HIV? Who's bigger than cancer? If you want to submit to that superstar right now, if you want to give your life to the superstar, lift your hands above your head. I'm praying for you now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. If you want to live for this superstar, lift up your hands. Don't be shy. If you want to live for this superstar, if you want to surrender to this superstar, if you want to give your life to this superstar, lift your hands. When Michael Jackson died, we are told that about 12 people in different locations were reported dead, killing themselves because Michael Jackson their superstar is gone. And if that was just Michael Jackson, who never died for anybody, how much more my master, 
I don't know how many people who will not just lift up their hands, but people who will say, Lord, I want to live for you as if I'm dead in you. I want to live for you. Those are the people I'm praying for right now. Just lift up your hands above your head. I'm praying for you. As you're lifting up your hands, I'm interceding for you right now. I'm interceding for you right now. I need quietness, everybody. Lord, the hands that are lifted up have surrendered. They have surrendered to the greatest superstar. Surrendered to the highest. The most prominent man that has ever lived. The most authentic savior. Somebody that did try to hold him like he has held my grandfather for many years. But did never understood where life came into him after three days. Father, we've surrendered to you because you are the real superstar. And Lord, the imposter is not just Santa Claus, but the imposter has been some of the living sin that has been torturing us for years. The fornication has been an imposter who makes us to worship and labor for it and run away from your throne. Masturbation has been an imposter Lesbianism has been an imposter. Sin has been an imposter. The devil has used a whole lot of things to make sure he keeps us in idol. But Lord, as we lift our hands right now, take over our lives. Take control of our spirits. Take your spirits into this, our spirits and use our lives. Take this life and let it be consecrated unto thee. In Jesus' name we pray. As your hands are still lifting up, I want you to pray this prayer. I say, Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I recognize you as my Lord and my Savior, as the greatest superstar. And Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Be my Lord, be my Savior. In Jesus' name.